Good morning, church. It is, uh, it's very good to be with you today. Um, so today is our uh, final sermon in our series on Daniel. Aww. Yeah, there you go. Um, no, so we've been in the series for the past six weeks. This is week number seven, and uh, this is, we're coming to the end. And in the series, we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, we, for the first uh, few weeks, we looked at stories about Daniel in chapters one through six. And then we looked at visions of Daniel in chapters one or seven through twelve ending in today. We've looked at Daniel's character and learned ways to live faithful to God in the midst of exile. We saw how pride can turn us into beasts and even eventually lead to our destruction. We saw God as the one who sets up kings and whose kingdom endures forever. Uh, We took time to meditate on God's miraculous salvation while understanding that his ways are not always our ways. We have drawn connections from Daniel's visions to real historical events, and now we come to the end of the journey. And so the plan for today, uh, what, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just kind of preach through Daniel chapter 12. We'll read it together and we'll preach through it, teach through it. Um, and then I, I'd like to kind of like summarize the book of Daniel the best I can. Um, because we, have all, we all know the sensation of reading a paragraph, knowing, believing with our whole heart that we read that paragraph. And moments later asking ourselves, what, what did I just read? <laughs> Um, and so what I don't want for us to do today is, is to leave this place thinking, wait, wh- what did I just read in Daniel? Like, what, what was Daniel about? Um, so I, I'd like to take some time at the end of this sermon to talk about that. So let's begin with Daniel chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them, open them to Daniel chapter 12. If you are here today without a Bible, we have some by the exits over here and in the back as well. Um, please take them, take them home. We love when people take our Bibles. Um, So the first thing we should mention in Daniel chapter 12 is that it is not a standalone chapter. Um, One of the great things that the English translation does is it sections off the Bible into chapters and verses, which is really helpful in trying to find a specific verse or a specific phrase. Um, But it also has kind of a downside in that it blocks off whole sections of the original text. And this last vision of Daniel stretches from Daniel chapter 10 to 12. Um, and so we are kind of picking up where Pastor Chris left off last week. Um, and so if you remember, the, the vision that Daniel's have is, is really powerful. At the beginning of chapter 10, he's kind of, Daniel's thrown to the ground and he's trembling before the Lord and he sees visions of angels and it's just this really overwhelming visionary experience. And the, the images that he sees deals with the future. And we know that because of what the angel says to him in chapter 10, verse 13. The angel says this, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me, for I was left there with the kings of of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. So from the onset, this vision is kind of shrouded in mystery. And as a general rule, whenever the Bible deals with uh, futuristic events, it deals with it in something that's known as determined obscurity. And what that phrase means is that there is an element of the future that we know to be certain. And there are elements of the future that are a bit obscure. And what we know for certain is that God is active. What we know for certain is that he is intricately involved in what is going to take place in the future. And what's obscure some of the time is what that actually looks like in real life, what the details are connected to that. 
And Daniel, especially in chapter 12, but also in other visions, deals with that. So, let's begin reading. Daniel chapter 12, starting in verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the, the angel we just heard about, the great prince who is charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has, such as never has been since there, since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall, shall, shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So in this final installment of Daniel's last vision, there are two things that come to light. Uh, one, there's going to be a time of great trouble for God's people. And two, there's going to be a time of great deliverance. Um, this section, really chapters 7 through 12, have been like hotly debated uh, among scholars, among Christians for a really long time, partly because it deals with future events, right? Um, and trying to figure out the details of such events, but also because of the language, because of determined obscurity, because the language is vague in application, but certain in terminology, which is in application determined obscurity. And what I mean by that is it's clear that Daniel is seeing a vision of time of really difficult period for God's people. That's obvious. In fact, the, the verse that we translate uh, in the ESV, or that they translate in the ESV is as, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time can roughly be literally translated as this. It will be a time of trouble, the worst trouble the world has ever seen. So that's bad, right? We can all surmise no good there. Um, but the difficult part is we don't know what exactly that means because throughout history, there has been unspeakable evil done that, that the world had never seen before images. I'm sure come to mind from world war two and then going way even further back to the time of Nero and persecution of Christians. And then the, the sacking of, of, uh, Jerusalem in 70 AD, the, these were, these were events that happened towards God's people, systematic, really awful things that happened in in their own time. But is that what Daniel was talking about? I don't know. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't know. Um, and so what that brings us to then is, is what I want to do at least is to try to zoom back a little bit to see what's the point that Daniel is trying to get at. And so although I can't be certain of, of what that means, um, what is certain is that there will be a time of unimaginable trouble throughout history for God's people. But in the next verse, in the very next line, there's hope because in the next line, it says, but at that time, your people shall be delivered. In the midst of this terrible trouble, God's people will be rescued. Everyone's name who is written in what's called the book. Um, the book is an allusion to the book of life. And this, this book pops up in different places throughout the Bible. It exists in um, John's revelation towards the end of the Bible. Uh, but also it appears earlier in Daniel. There's this great vision that Daniel has in Daniel chapter 7 where um, this char- we meet this character named the Ancient of Days, who, which is a 
kind of shorthand for God himself. And he sits in judgment over all of the evil kingdoms of the world. And he places judgment upon them. And he sends his messenger, the son of man, in to kind of like conquer it and seal it. And in that, Daniel sees this image of the Ancient of Days in verse 9 of chapter 7. As I looked, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow and his hair, the hair on his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came from before him. A thousand thousand served him. Ten thousand upon ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. So this is an illusion that Daniel uses to say God is sitting in judgment over his people. Um, amidst all of these symbols, it's easy to get kind of lost. At, at least it is for me. Um, and it's easy to kind of overlook or miss the point of what's really going on here. And I think that the imagery in the first few verses of chapter 12 um, want to communicate some crucial things about the nature of who God is and how we relate to him. The first is this. There will be a time of, of difficulty for God's people of various kinds. But the second is that in the midst of suffering, God is a rescuer. And if you're taking notes today, I encourage you to write this down. We're going to come back to this and kind of explain it and fill it out. But um, it's easy to kind of get lost um, in the midst of, of reading the Bible sometimes. But it's important to, to mine the depths of, of what of what scripture is trying to communicate about who God is. An essential piece of God's character is this. In the midst of suffering, God is a rescuer. So Daniel goes on to hear from the angel in verse 4 that this message must be sealed up to the time of the end, which is kind of another way of saying, Daniel, what has just been given to you is a mystery, and you're not supposed to talk about it. Um, You're supposed to kind of keep it between you and God. Um, And in the last verse in in cha- I'm sorry, the fourth verse in chapter 12 says, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And this is an allusion to another book of the Bible, Amos 8, that, that says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In other words, I say all that to say this, the particularities of what God is kind of laying out here before Daniel aren't really there, at least not in the way that Daniel wants them, and especially not in the way that I think we want them. As the vision moves on, Daniel is joined by two other unnamed people who stand kind of across each other from the stream where the the angel is hovering, and, and they ask a really important question. In verse six, or verse five, excuse me. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Now, it's important to kind of understand what these wonders are. Like I said, Daniel chapter 12 is a part of a greater vision that starts in uh, chapter 10. And in this vision, Daniel sees... Some really hard things for the people of God. Um, 
symbolized by this guy, the, the king of the north. The king of the north comes, and he just is a tyrannical ruler. He's, he's wicked. He's harsh. And the people of God suffer underneath him. And, and that's the context which this is set. So when they say, how long will it be till these wonders end? What they're saying is, how long will it be until our suffering is done? At what point will that stop? And this, I think, is a very familiar question for us. Maybe not as large of a scale, but definitely a familiar question. God, how long will it be till my job gets better? God, how long will it be till I find someone to marry? God, how long will it be till my kids prefer hanging out with me than their cell phones? God, how long will it be until my sickness leaves? How long will it be till I find what's next? How long will it be until I'm happy again? How long will it be until all these wrong things are righted. And the thing is, is we don't want like a general answer to that question, right? Like I want to know the date, the time, the place, the name. Like I want to know when that's going to happen. And the truth is the Bible rarely, if ever gives us that certainty. The next point I I would encourage you to write down um, is, is this. God rarely tells us when, but always promises us how. Let me explain that a little bit. When I say God rarely tells us when, it, it's very rare for God to be like, this is when it's going to end. You're in a tough spot right now, and I hear you, and it's going to end on this date at this time. Don't worry about it. That's, that's usually not how it works. But what is very consistent in God's character is saying how it will come to an end. God's saying, I will be with you through it. I I will walk alongside of you. And not only will I walk alongside of you, but I will be at work and there will come a day when I will set things right. So how will it come to be? It will come to be by God's hand, by his activity, by his goodness, by his will, not of our own. So God really tells us when, but always promises us how. Moving on, the, the angel in our story's response to, to that really important question, like when is this bad stuff going to stop, is, is a period of indeterminate time. He says this in, chap- in verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand towards the heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be, this is the moment we've all been waiting for, a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. His answer is like, hey, uh, what time do you guys want to go to lunch? Oh, a time, time, and half a times. Okay. It's a little confusing, right? It's okay to be confused because actually Daniel is confused. Daniel uh, hears this, but is kind of bewildered by it. And so then he responds in verse 8. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Which is essentially the same question, just in hopes of like a different, more clear answer. Um, and again, the angel answers, but it's again, a little underwhelming. He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the end of time. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time of the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end. 
and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. So the angel never really answers the question the way Daniel wants him to or the way I want him to. It's just, it's just a little confusing. And so what is to be sur- surmounted by, by that? Well, I think, I think there, is, there is something, and I think it's pretty important too. When Daniel and, and the other two in the vision ask when these things are going to end, again, let's ponder that for a moment. The these things they're talking about is like annihilation of God's people, uh, of, of, of serious hurt, uh, of real disaster. And so it's, it's understandable that they're like, okay, we know it's coming. Just let us, just like, just when is it going to end? When is it going to stop? And, and for that reason, the, the, the difficulty in, in the hard times of God's people makes sense. Uh, that a lot of people thought that the, the, the king of the north was the Syrian king, King Antiochus, who lived during the 160s B.C., he, he hurt Jews systematically. And, and then two, going on to, to Rome. A lot of people thought that it was Rome in the empire and, and then leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus and the sacking of the temple in 70 AD. And then still others believe that it's, it's now happening or it's going to happen in the future sometime. And, and a lot of the, the numbers that are, that are put out in Daniel can be connected to, to some of those, but not all of them perfectly. And so because of that, I'd like to present a, a broader interpretation this morning of what's going on here in Daniel. Perhaps the reason the, na- the angel never gives a direct answer to the two others in Daniel's vision, or to Daniel himself, or to me for that matter, is because knowing the end of such a time of oppression is not the point. Perhaps. So let's imagine for a moment, during the most difficult time in your life, Let's just imagine you knew exactly when it was going to end. You knew the day, you knew the time, you knew the place. What would that change? I was asking myself that question this week. If I knew when a time of great suffering in my life would have ended, when things would be put right, how would that change in me? Well, part of me is like a lot, right? I would know when it's going to end for, for one thing. And there's a lot of hope in that. But then I kind of probed that question a little bit deeper, a little bit further. If, if, if my will is willing for this thing to come to an end, then what happens then to my hope once it's over? Does hope end there? Does my hope kind of carry me to the point where I'm, I'm whole and I'm put together and, and I'm kind of happy now? Is there anything left then to hope for? And I asked myself that question because of something Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, a book in the New Testament, where, where, he, where he's listing attributes that endure throughout time and in God's character and in God's nature. He says, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So hope keeps going. It's, it's a thing that actually keeps moving. It doesn't stop at some point. But for me, when I think of like the great difficulty in my life, my, a lot of my hope is like, it, when is it going to end? When am I going to have resolve? And I think that Daniel, the story of Daniel, offers us a much more dynamic vision of what hope is. See, the hope of God's people has always been distinctly different from the hope of the rest of the world because our hope does not lie in our knowledge, experience, or abilities as a people, but in God himself who makes us a people. Knowing when the end is to come 
whether it be a personal tragedy or the end of the world, does not and will not change the fact that we're going to have to go through it. We're going to have to keep moving. And it's going to be hard at times. But in that time, in that moment, God is a rescuer. That doesn't change just because times are difficult. So if we know that a time of difficulty will come and it will come to an end, but not by our own knowledge or not by our own will, but in God himself. And, and that, that hope then should go somewhere. It should just get to the end of, of, of a time of difficulty and then stop. It should keep moving. And so what then does that mean? Hopefully this then empowers us to live into a relationship, a dynamic relationship with the God of hope. Because if he continues to exist outside of my difficulty, then so does my hope. If my hope then is set in him, right? It keeps moving. Why? Because God keeps moving. So let's talk about the point of Daniel. This kind of leads me to the point of Daniel as a whole. If I could summarize the teachings of Daniel, I I would summarize it like this. Um, Daniel teaches us about a hope that motivates faithfulness. Daniel teaches the people of God about a hope that motivates, energizes, keeps going faithfulness. And and I think Daniel does this from chapter 1 to chapter 12 in really unique kind of innovative ways. And, And the first way that I think he does this is by teaching us this, that God is worthy of faithfulness, pure and simple. I mean, think about it. In chapter one, Daniel is in exile and and he's ripped from his homeland. He's ripped from his way of living. He's ripped from his God even. And he's put into a kingdom where he's kind of under their rule. They give him food. They get kind of set him up in in like the, the sweets of life. And he refuses it because it would mean going against his God. And in reality, he offers himself up to his, to his kind of like overlord and says, if this doesn't work, if what, what I do by rejecting the king's food doesn't work, just it's on me. His hope then could not have lied in it working out because it might not have worked out. His hope was firmly set in a God who existed beyond even his life. And then again, we hear stories of Daniel being uh, threatened with a, a lion's den if he didn't pray to the king. Instead, he re- rejects that and prays to his God, remains faithful. The hope continues to grow. And then of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, standing before a fiery furnace that just like killed five dudes. And they say, you can throw us in there because our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we will not reject him. That is a hope that doesn't just stop when the problem is solved, that is a hope that continues moving. God is worthy of that faithfulness. He's worthy of of my faithfulness, of our faithfulness. Secondly, the second way I think um, Daniel teaches us about a hope that motivates faithfulness is is this. Um, uh, We'll just put it up. The, The hope we have is fully encapsulated in Jesus. Let me explain this a little bit. Daniel was written before the time of Jesus, actually way before the time of Jesus. And, um, and, and certainly Daniel lived way before Jesus. Um, but Daniel was still living faithful to the Lord. 
He's still living faithful to his God, regardless of, of what would happen. And here's the thing. What Daniel knew in faith, we know by name. And his name is Jesus. And he's real. And, and, and there, there's power in that because Jesus is not one who just lived and died. He is one who lived, died, stared death in the face, left it in the tomb, and kept going. The hope we have is fully encapsulated. in He lived our hope. Why? Because he's still alive. That hope didn't die. That hope didn't go somewhere and stay there. That hope kept going. So what Daniel knew by faith, we know in relationship. We know by person, by name. So this morning, as, um, as I kind of bring things to a close, as we reflect on Daniel, the impression that I want to leave you with is one of enduring hope. I, I know that there are some, maybe even many in this room, who are facing some really tough times. Some, some times of great trouble that the world or you have never seen before. Um, and, and I want to offer you not a hope that it's going to come to an end. It, it most likely will. But I hope that's way more dynamic than that. I hope that that will not only get you through, but get you into heaven and keep going. Like it doesn't stop once the time is over, but it gets going then. It keeps going then. Today, what, what I cannot offer you is, is when, when that time of difficulty will be over. Um, but what I can offer you is, is a hope in a God who is just as real as I am standing before you today. A God who is merciful and kind. A God who sees you and loves you. A God who is looking after you and looking out for you. A God who goes before you and offers and provides you a hope that not only brings life, but gives life. So um, the question really is how, like how, how do you, how do you do that? How do you have hope in the midst of difficult times? Well, one reason I think how to do that is to go back to stories like Daniel. Daniel stood before a king and, and was faithful to the Lord and God was faithful to him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was faithful to the Lord and the Lord was faithful to him. And, and then even in the stories and the visions that Daniel had where God's people are suffering through really difficult times, the refrain in that is that I will bring things to an end. I will be with you. Remind yourself. Enculturate yourself in the Bible of these stories where God's people endure because God endures with them. And secondly... The next time you face despair or in the midst of trouble, instead of willing it to end, still do that. It's not wrong to will bad things to end. Keep doing that. But just go a little bit further next time. Say, God, please let this end. And whenever it does, give me a hope that gives, goes beyond it. Meet me here. Meet me in, in my despair and remind me that there's something on the other side of it. And that something on the other side keeps going. It doesn't end. Where this difficult time will come to an end, your time has no end. So when you face it, will it to end with all of your might, but also remember the God who goes beyond it. And then there, trust in God. 
trust in his goodness, in his provision, in his promise, in his love, in his hope. Trust in him. In him, may we find a hope that motivates faithfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your word and for, for your son Jesus and for your character and nature. Thank you, God, for the hope that you provide, the hope that you supply. No matter how dark the world may be, your light shines in the darkness and it will not be overcome. Lord, you are good. Lord, I pray that your hope would be made known to uh, the people in this room, that your hope would be made known to this community, that your hope would be made known outside of our walls to the whole world, Lord. I pray that it would, it would just like go through all of the world like a, like a disease infecting everyone with great amounts of hope. Um, God, I, I pray that, that our hearts would be encouraged. I pray for those in our community now that are, are suffering, are in difficult times. May you meet them there. May you remind them of Daniel. May you remind them of Jesus. God, for those who are, who are doing well and, and, and living in, in health and wellness, God, help them be faithful there because sometimes it's even more difficult to do it there. Lord, we, um, we need you. And uh, we're unashamed to say it. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for your son. We trust you and love you. In Christ's name, amen.